0: You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemacek. Well, welcome back all you Star Trek fans. You Star Trek history buffs, you canonistas, and I say that lovingly. <laughs> yes, all you trekophiles spelled with an F. Hey, did you notice something a little different in our opening today? That's right, there's no document this week. And yet, there is. We're bringing you a living document, a shared memory of mine, and a special edition of the Trek Files. Now, that means there's no files posted at our central hub on Facebook, as usual. But I'd still like to urge you to go there and join in the trek community to comment. Especially this week. Right there at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. I mean, you know, we try to craft the Trek-Files as beyond topical. So that our guests and themes that span media and culture, and of course Star Trek, then to now, they should be as relevant as ever. No matter when our springboard documents are dated, right? we like them to be evergreen, of value, of entertainment and of insight, uh, whenever you happen to come across the track Files. But I do admit that this is a special week. As we record this, the apex of the Gene Roddenberry Centennial. As special people and events are wont to be celebrated, in this case we're heralding 100 years since Gene's birth on August 19th, 1921. Now, we can look at that as the year 2021 to celebrate or as the start of a year of remembrances and reflections. I like both. So, in a coming year, we will be talking to more guests and checking out documents on the influences on and by Gene. But I wanted to mark this Centennial Birth Week in a personal way. My one and only meeting with the Great Bird of the Galaxy himself. Back in 1989, August 5th to be exact. (laughs) And I know that because the late, great Richard Arnold, Gene's executive assistant, was giving me a set tour on my very first visit to the Paramount lot, on my second ever visit to California. And it was the day the TNG cast was filming the bridge scenes on the first day of the shoot for Who Watches the Watchers, early in season three. Uh, Richard was actually thanking me for my early days concordance that I had created way before the Akuta's Encyclopedia and, of course, way before Memory Alpha. The writers had – much less fandom – had no way to encyclopedia Eyes past episodes without digging through scripts. The book that led to me doing The Companion later on was what liberated them in the beginning. And uh, he was giving me a personal thank you for that, for all the writers and and their beleaguered assistants who were tasked with digging through scripts. But on this day, we saw the sets, watched them film a little bit. Patrick stood over. He had two other people on the tour, a station manager, I believe, from Wisconsin, and a member of Patrick Stewart's then- Urban Shakespeare class, young man. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was my first trip to Paramount. And my downfall was that I did what I was told. I read the signs. I brought a camera. <laughs> but the signs out on the studio lot said no cameras. Now, I did not know then. I was so green. I did not know that what that meant was don't walk around on the studio lot with a camera hanging off your neck like a you know green tourist. And yes, kiddos, this was in the days before not only did we all have phones in our pockets, those phones certainly did not have cameras. That's a shame because after we were done with the set tour, Richard looked at me and said, would you like to come and meet Jean? And of course I said yes. And of course I had no camera. (laughs) I met Susan Sackett, Jean's assistant, who was working on a children's book at the time and asked me to comment on some of her her text that she had in a, in a galley copy. But after a few minutes of waiting in the outer offices, there in the heart building, Richard ushered me inside to the gene inner enclave. And there he was the man sitting at his desk and he stood up, shook my hand and said, uh, basically I, I want to thank you Larry for doing this book for our writers. It's really great. Thank you for doing it to help us. And, and we just really just use it. And of course I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay, (laughs) but I'm, you know, swallowing my tongue here and basically saying, well, thank you. It's the least anyone could do to give back a little something to this 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 thing that you created, the original series and now the next generation. And it was just a simple moment. It was only three or four or five minutes. He was a busy man. The office was busy. I think I remember being shown and waving at a young junior writer on the staff back then who was just in a little closet of an office, a very, very baby young third season Ron Moore, who had just joined the staff. And that was it. It was a monumental moment. It's forever etched in my mind, my memory, which is good because I had no camera to record the moment. My one and only meeting with Gene Roddenberry when. He thanked me, giving me a chance to thank him, (laughs) even in a bigger way, in my mind. But, you know, it's fun now for newer fans to realize and for our older fans to admit that the point of view of Trekkies over the decades about Gene Roddenberry has changed, you know, from being a savvy producer of a cool show to this guru of a future progressive vision. To a martyr to corporate meddling and greed, or at least in the fans' minds. And then a, this huge mythic loss at the time of his death. And then soon after, as the biographies of him and others' memoirs surfaced, you know, as a great man with many human faults. And then today, with the passage of time, I feel like we can sum up all that and see him as this recognized game changer for millions of lives. Millions of Star Trek fans all around the world and and their outlook on life and themselves and a shared future of hope and diversity and fun, scientific techie geeky that's going to make the future possible as long as we all learn to get along. And I think that is the essence of the many celebrations in panels and projects and displays at the just concluded Star Trek Las Vegas this year at the Rio Hotel including this incredible long main hall corridor of Gene photos and quotes on large wall panels. It was, it was really inspiring and amazing and really brought us full circle. We've had the fallow years of no Star Trek. We've had a burst of excitement now and output with all the new series coming, the new way of watching Star Trek. But it was a great way to refocus on that man and all the, all the ways that he had been viewed over the years. But I go back to August 15th, 1989 and the man that I saw that day, and little did I know just a little over two years before he would be passing, but the man I saw on August 15th, 1989 in his office, the Gene Roddenberry I saw in my fanish awe, was just a magnanimous and simple man who happened to be a writer of some note, producing (laughs) this amazing and ever burgeoning and much far to go franchise, movement, whatever you call it, that has affected so many of us around the world. The reason we're all here and the reason so many share that vision of hope and a future of diversity and brightness and a life worth living. And I just wanted to share that this week as we mark this special year. But don't worry, trek files we will be back next week with our regular Files of the Week and our guest, after we recover from STLV. Yes, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, Executive Producer, Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents, of course, and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek, that's me, and Portal 47 at LarryNimachek.com. And hey, check out all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at the Trekland shop at tpublic.com slash stores slash trekland shop. Trek well, everybody.